I'm Alexis Lee. I'm Megan Rosenthal, and this is the Mayo Lab Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mayo Lab Podcast Season 2, and we are kicking off this season. This is our very first episode, full-length episode of Season Mm -hmm. 2, and we are joined with Cal and Caroline Mayo, and I am just so thrilled beyond words to have you guys in the studio with us, and I know Megan feels the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And for our listeners who have no idea who this is, well, the Mayo Lab, you are going to find out uh, very soon. And so, Cal and Caroline, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Mayo Lab podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So, just to start us off, kind of how did we get here? Kind of the Mayo Lab and how, you know, this story, if you guys would share kind of the story for those, as long, as much as you would like, just for our listeners to kind of get a little insight. Sure. I'll, I'll try to give you the, uh, the shorter version instead of taking up all the time we have this afternoon. So... Uh, Caroline and I have been here in Oxford, I guess, since the mid-90s, and we moved here with three children and had our fourth child here in Oxford um, in the early 2000s. Uh, he was our son, Thomas. He was eight years younger than our oldest oldest child and six years younger than our twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, an, an only child, and in some ways, yeah. um, yeah, just the, the, the youngest of the bunch. But... Uh, Thomas graduated from high school here in Oxford, had a, a very, uh, you know, I'd say fairly typical high school experience. He was a good student. He was a, he played sports and uh, enrolled here at the University of Mississippi as his three older siblings had. Uh, the difference for Thomas uh, probably was some of who Thomas was, and, and we can talk about some of that later, but he also came along uh, his freshman year was when COVID mm-hmm. hit. Oh. And so he was halfway through his uh, first year, I guess, into the spring of his second semester when he had to move home and live with his parents, which was uh, certainly not something his parents wanted to have happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can assure you Thomas wanted it much less than his parents <laughs> did. But he, he um, went back his sophomore year. Uh, things were not going as they should have. And ultimately... Uh, he got a DUI and came to us and told us he had a Xanax problem. So uh, Thomas, this was in late April of 21, Thomas went off uh, and after several conversations with David McGee and Mm -hmm. with David's good direction and and assistance, uh, Thomas went off for a 30-day program. He came back and for at least as much as we know, the Xanax problem was was gone. hindsight being remarkably clear there's probably a number of things we should have done differently at that point but we let thomas come back uh he went back into school he moved in with some friends who were good supportive friends uh, of thomas's but he was back in the same environment he had been Mm -hmm. in before Mm -hmm. Uh, we tried as best we could to keep a handle on what was going on um we di- we did not think he was back in recreational drug use Mm -hmm. and most of his friends the ones we spoke with, all of his friends, reinforced that. But uh, Thomas was back into recreational drug use, we ultimately found out. But that didn't come to light until, unfortunately, too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the spring, uh, April of 2022, um, after we had been at a w- lovely family wedding in Florida with our son and new daughter-in-law, and shortly after the birth of our grandson, <coughs> um, 
Thomas went out with some fraternity, two fraternity brothers, and they bought what they thought were Percocet. They uh, ingested them. They went to a fraternity party. They bought some more. They ingested those. And Thomas went back to his off-campus residence. He uh, stayed up with friends, partying for a while. He went to sleep, and then he never woke up. Uh, that was the morning of the 14th of April. Um, so how we got from there to where we are now is that uh, among the, the memorials we listed in <clears throat> Thomas's obituary was the McGee Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just... We were overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah. by yeah. the yeah. amount of contributions that came mm-hmm. in and humbled, overwhelmed, and the McGee Center and David McGee and the foundation guided us to set up the Thomas mm-hmm. Hayes Mayo Lab. Yeah. yeah. And thanks to the two of y'all as well for your great involvement in that. But that that is how we got to the lab. Um, mm-hmm. It was a way to use the, the funds that came in um, in Thomas's memory into the foundation in the Thomas Mayo Fund mm-hmm. uh, that was eventually used to fund the lab. So mm-hmm. we are yeah, thrilled uh, that something good can be done mm-hmm. in, in his memory. Um, there's still good days and bad days yeah. Yeah. That, that we go through, but uh, it's a, a wonderful um wonderful way to keep alive his memory yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and i think what we love about the mayo lab podcast specifically is like we get to share stories like this and let people know a you're not alone um so many people listening i know will have someone in their life or family member that will have gone through this or will you know hopefully you know we never wish that upon people but to equip them in ways that is just so powerful that you can't do you know through a school you know school books and while that's great but having personal stories and so if you don't mind i'm going to circle back real quick of when thomas came to y'all what was that like for each of you and then you guys together as parents kind of the conversations had and if you wouldn't mind sharing like with other like with listeners of if you would have done things differently or what are you proud of in that moment kind of recapping that yeah i don't think we were surprised when thomas came to us and said he had a problem i think parents have gut instincts mm-hmm. when something is not right and I felt that I know Cal felt that so when he came to us we were just proud that he mm-hmm. shared opened mm-hmm. up admitted to what was going on with the Xanax pro- problem and asked to go to treatment yeah. yeah so I mean we hopped on it um we picked Cumberland Heights yeah. and um went for 30 days and um we felt like it helped at the time mm-hmm. um we also we didn't keep this a secret even though this was thomas's story to share we were open with our friends and family members Mm -hmm. about treatment Mm -hmm. um yeah and and that's we didn't want thomas to think that it was embarrassing to us yeah right we didn't want to put it on the billboard that he was a treatment but we tried to find a place in between that that was thomas made the right choice he came forward he Mm -hmm. was strong enough to have this discussion with us and if he was willing to do it, then we were hoping that he could be a guide for others because we knew he was not alone. Mm-hmm. We knew there were others that were doing the same thing. So, and Thomas was comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. He, he he was not embarrassed about going to treatment, other than he felt like, um, and this was another just part of Thomas's psyche, 
uh, as the fourth child, he always felt like he was, didn't live up to the standard of his mm-hmm. siblings, and that's you know m- more of the mental health side of things sure. than his uh, substance abuse uh, specific substance abuse problems. Mm-hmm. But he, um, yeah, we 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 were proud he'd come forward, and we mm-hmm. praised him for that. And I think when he came out of treatment, it was probably the healthiest he had been in several years okay. since his senior year of high school uh he he appeared to be in a really good place then so mm-hmm. and we were we were extremely hopeful mm-hmm. yes at that I, point. I do think if we had to do it all over again one of the things we would have done differently is maybe encouraged him not to go back into mm-hmm. the college environment mm-hmm. um of course he wanted to yeah, sure. um and there's when the stigma comes in right. we wanted him to have the normal normal college experience a well-rounded experience like our older three children Mm -hmm. um had so we didn't or or we let him talk us into (laughs) going back into that environment um if 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 i could do it over again i think i would do something different take a break go out west go be in nature (laughs) we we used it as the excuse that covid was still going on in the summer of 21 and there were limited Mm -hmm. options available to him but that was really more of an excuse than a reason to not dig deeper and insist that he go away, but we didn't. And mm-hmm. that was the decision we made. You know, we could have at least insisted he live home with us. We didn't do that. Um, you know, all those things we look back at yeah. now and, and should have, would have, could have, but mm-hmm. um, that we are where we are and you know, yeah. we've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, you know, incredibly thankful and grateful that you've allowed us to use Thomas's name in the founding of the Thomas Hayes Mayo Lab and the Mayo Lab podcast. Um, it's uh, through the conversations that we have had and, and getting to know both of you. It's just a tremendous privilege to be in this space and be sharing these conversations with you. Um, and and I'd like to just transition us a little bit and, and thinking more forward. I know both of you have been involved in lots of different efforts around the state and have I've continued these conversations and continued sharing your own story and Thomas's story. And so I'd like to dive into that a little bit more, if you all would be willing. Um, what what have you been up to, uh, <laughs> you know, besides founding this amazing lab and the podcast <laughs> and all of those kind of things? What else have you been doing in in this space? So I'll let Caroline talk a little bit about our um, our kind of vision for the lab and, and our excitement and the, the wonderful work y'all have done, by the way. Thank you. We should have opened with that. No, yes. You owe us no thank yous. We uh, no. Fantastic <laughs> job. And we're, we're excited about the second season of the uh, of the podcast. The first season was so well done. And we have enjoyed listening to all the episodes. In my journey in, in kind of what I've done in, in, in this space, I guess, to use the, the vernacular, started the day of Thomas's funeral service when I expected to go to his fraternity house and speak to a small group of his friends and ended up there in front of the whole fraternity and parents and girlfriends and, and a, a, a big crowd. And it kind of <clears throat> immediately forced me into talking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, once I did it, I, I realized a couple of things. Number one, everybody listened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a, a very important topic for them. So I knew there were people that wanted information about what had happened to Thomas and, and how can I make that do- make sure that doesn't happen mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I knew I'd, I needed a lot more information myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of weaned through uh, a little bit of information I had at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot better educated now. But so I, I have gone um, on a number of occasions and talked to fraternity groups and other groups of people 
mostly young people, um, about the dangers of fentanyl, what's mm-hmm. going on on college campuses today, that it, fentanyl really is a game changer. It's mm-hmm. different than mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Other, our older children did not have to deal with it. Right. That's six years between yeah. them graduating in 2000, uh, I guess, 13 from high school, and Thomas finished in 19, his next older siblings. That, that span of time just changed recreational drug use mm-hmm. on college campuses. I mean, it, weed's more potent than it was. Mm-hmm. Y'all have talked mm-hmm. about that. But mm-hmm. fentanyl is that hidden danger that it can be in any pill, any substance. It can be right. anywhere. Uh, and that that is information a lot of people are not completely aware of. If they mm-hmm. think they know about it, they really don't. If they think they appreciate how uh, powerful and how um, – deadly fentanyl can be and how little fentanyl it takes Mm -hmm. you know and i use thomas's story because he was with two other young men and thank goodness they lived yeah uh and thomas didn't he got the you know he played the game of russian roulette and he lost Mm -hmm. the other two survived and that's how random it can be um so I, i have spent a lot of time talking with groups trying to educate them and also thanks again to information that i've uh glean from y'all uh, <laughs> I've expanded it's talking also just about mental health generally mm-hmm. and weave in mm-hmm. that topic because as y'all know it's all interrelated yep. it's it's not two separate topics okay. it's all the same discussion and it's one we didn't fully realize with Thomas until now mm-hmm. and and we do realize that he there were mental health problems that he had and issues he was dealing with whether he was he had addiction tendencies or whether Uh he just was an abuser or Uh where he fell on the the spectrum of drug use, there was something driving him to do that. And we, we never tapped into it like I wish we had. Uh So that is part of the topic that I, that I cover when I talk. And I've written a a couple of articles um, as well that have been published or one has been published. One will be published on the same topic. So, Really, mine is just trying to push information out mm-hmm. and let as many parents and, and young people know about what happened to us. And right. again, it's through mm-hmm. the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lead the public speaking up to Cal, so <laughs> I'm, I'm more in the background, but just sharing Tom's story mm-hmm. with friends, mm-hmm. um, uh, parents of his friends. Um, I was involved in the Thomas H. Mayo 5K this mm-hmm. past spring that his fraternity um, put on. Uh, and it was a wild success. It was yes. a great so success. Much Over 800 people participated. I think $67,000 mm-hmm. were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his mom's best friends in the fraternity came to me with this idea and she assembled a dream team and they ran with it and it was an amazing event and we hope that can happen mm-hmm. every year as their mm-hmm. annual charity. Yeah. Um, but mainly just being open and honest when people ask me about Thomas um, mm-hmm. and sharing, you know, that it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas wasn't some bum on the street, you know. He was just your typical college kid. That, yeah. 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 And I think we've, we, we're, we're making progress of the – when we tap stigma, it's, it used to be them and they over there. And it's not necessarily become the we, but it has become like people they know and their understanding. It's maybe a little closer to home. Mm -hmm. And so, and people like you guys are just doing a great job of breaking down that barrier of like, it's, it happens to everyone and it it is sad and, you know, we're going to use it for the best power we can for good. And it's just been so inspiring to be a part of that and just continue to have the we mindset of this is all of us. Um, And so since you guys have established this lab, kind of what, 
are your goal or what did you establish this lab with the goal of doing? And then now that it's kind of, we're in a year almost plus of it. What are you hopeful for the future for it to come? Well, obviously to educate mm-hmm. parents and students and y'all are doing an amazing job with that. Um, and we hope to get some kind of curriculum in mm-hmm. schools, starting in middle school, the earlier we can talk to our children about the dangers and any kind of mental health issue, the better. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that the there's so many things that can be done mm-hmm. uh, through the lab, but our our view has been, as Caroline was saying, that, and, and this is consistent. We were talking before when on, on our podcast about John Broderick and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he started at the high schools and he's gone down, mm-hmm. and, and as you read in his book, and he's talked to middle schools and he gets the same reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, children of all ages and probably more so than parents right now are hungry for attention mm-hmm. dealing with mental health issues drug abuse issues mm-hmm. um you know eating disorders all of that rolls into the same big mm-hmm. pot of, mm-hmm. of messiness and mm-hmm. we we want to tap into that we, and, and we don't know how to do it we we can give a we can set up a vehicle we can help raise right. the money but we need experts like y'all to work with others to help make that a reality but mm-hmm. that would be our our dream is that there is some program that is rolled out um into high schools and all the way down as low as it's acceptable mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. educational standpoint to talk about things that mm-hmm. we for too long have been afraid to talk about and we think that it's a sign of weakness or something, and it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a sign of a health problem like any other health problem. Right, right. Well, and I think that one of the things that that, that makes me think about, right, is, and I've seen quotations to this effect around more recently, is like, our young, our kids, our children are capable and able to deal with a lot more than we often give them credit for, right, in terms of these kinds of conversations. We often think, oh, they're too young to think about drugs and alcohol and, you know, complicated relationships with friends. But my most complicated relationships came in middle school, right, of all places. And we don't really have those conversations. And I think that we we want, as parents, I think we want to keep our kids safe, right, and prevent those things from happening. Um, but one of the things I want to applaud both of you for in this space is that you have been so incredibly brave and and honest in your experience and in sharing that with other people because I think that's where other parents struggle. They never want to have to do this, um, but they also don't know where to start. And you guys have been incredible examples of just doing the hard thing. And I want to applaud both of you for that because that is not something, excuse me, that a lot of people have have been able to do and I think that's you're part of this educational mission you may not have the fancy letters after your name but you're absolutely part of this and and I want to thank you both for for that because this is an amazing first step in that direction to help us get get this whole mission flowing and going it's not just for the kids it's for all of us how do we level all of us up so that we do better next time yeah I don't it was never a question whether to be honest about Thomas's story I mean I think from the day he died, we looked at each other and we're like, we're, we're not going to hide anything. Yeah. If, we, if we can save one life, or if one life can be saved mm-hmm. from Thomas's tragedy, mm-hmm. then it's worth it, to be honest. And I thought a lot before coming into this podcast today, if I was listening as a parent, what would I want to hear? You know, mm-hmm. what, what would I have done, we, I have done differently? And I think about this a lot, um, and this is very hard to get an 18, 19, 20, particularly a male, to open up. But I would have been more persistent in 
getting Thomas to, to share his feelings. You know what? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we had those talks. You know, tell us mm-hmm. what's going on. How are you feeling? Fine, Mom. I'm fine, Dad. But I, I would have kept on it more. Mm-hmm. And I think I tried to um, pump self-confidence into Thomas instead of getting him to talk and just mm-hmm. be there to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say things like, Thomas, you're so smart. You're so handsome. Right. You're so funny. You're so kind. Yeah. Everybody loves you. You mm-hmm. know, why Why don't you have self-confidence, right. you know, instead of really trying to get him to open up to share those mm-hmm. things that were bothering yeah. him mm-hmm. yeah and that's hard to do oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah and and to be very clear <laughs> one thing i tell people every time i talk and i should say here you know caroline and i don't have all the answers mm-hmm. uh we're just trying to make everyone else understand the questions need to be asked mm-hmm. uh and that, that's how we get to the answers is mm-hmm. we have to ask the questions and we a lot of it's probably trial and error and you know as parents we do things wrong sometimes um, but the effort at communicating with our children and, and understanding what's going on as best we can with them and letting them you know being able to listen yeah all, not judge mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not give them the solutions but mm-hmm. truly just to listen just listen and let them talk. Uh, and it is hard. I mean, I tell people that, you know, our two daughters, they went away when they were about 11 or 12 and came back when they're about 18 or 19. <laughs> and my boys went away when they're about 15 or 16. And William came back when he was about 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were just seeing a little bit of that with Thomas. You know, mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a part, they have to go away. And I think that's part of maturing. And as a parent, you have to keep your tentacles out there as best you can mm-hmm. keep the antenna up to see things and hear things but mm-hmm. um getting the information being willing to make mistakes with your children but don't give up mm-hmm. um, and 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 don't feel like you have to have all the answers as parents because we don't right and right. we have no clue you know that and you, a whole episode on social media and i didn't have to deal with that right. um you know, that's all after our time. And there is a lot of pressure that comes from social media, the expectations mm-hmm. of perfection and yep. that everybody else's world is a perfect world. Mm-hmm. And if you have any anxieties about what's going on in your life, mm-hmm. it's just multiplied by seeing perfection in everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a reality that young people have to deal with. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it I don't understand, but uh you can't find out the answers if you don't ask the questions and that's really kind of what we see the Mayo Lab doing is mm-hmm. gathering the information trying to improve the situation for our young people when things don't work try something else right right and I think that um, I, I love that perspective and that that approach to this kind of work because this is a sticky complicated messy wicked problem that's been around for a long time and until like you say we start asking those questions with an open heart and an open mind figuring out those solutions and being brave enough to try and fail and try again we're not going to get any closer to those to those solutions and that ultimate objective of of you know saving just one life like you said caroline like that that to me is so exactly what we do here at the Mayo Lab and and with this podcast repackaging that information and getting it out to a huge audience hopefully in a way that everybody understands and we'll deconstruct some of that scientific garbly goop in the meantime (laughs) so everybody gets it right um so I just think that that's just that you summarized it just so beautifully so thank you thank you
You are listening to the Mayo Lab Podcast. For more information and resources, visit themayolab.com. Now, back to the episode. Um, dive in a little bit into the stigma topic that this season's going to be on. We know stigma is just huge. We've all faced it. We've all felt it, I think, at this table. But I want to dive into a little bit specifically stigma for you guys and just ask you what stigma looked like or was to you guys before Thomas's passing and what it is now to you around this idea of substance use and if your family's faced it kind of how you've walked through that with your family and your other three kids and just stigma as it lives currently for you guys sure so um i, I think any discussion about stigma has to start with a look in the mirror right, right. Mm-hmm. um and being honest with ourselves um, about our own lives. And uh, I've told this to groups I talk to, none of us are wired perfectly. Uh, We all have our um, anxieties, depressions, emotional distress moments that will come up in our lives. And it is hard for us to admit that Mm -hmm. um, because we want people to think that we are not necessarily are perfect, but that we don't have problems, and we and we do. Um, just as a brief aside, I thought maybe we should set aside a certain amount of money that everybody gets in a, a bank account that we can use for counseling throughout our lives. <laughs> it's just yes. a, it's just a, 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 we can draw down on it, and if I, I don't use all mine, I can give some to somebody mm-hmm. else, right. or somebody can give me theirs. But it, it, it's hard for us to do that. But it has to start with a, a self-examination, I, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, mm-hmm. This is purely unscientific answer to your question, because, but this is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we then have to sort of pass that along to our children, that parents aren't perfect. We don't expect you to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as Caroline said earlier, we did not hide the fact that Thomas had, mm-hmm. had gone off to, to rehab. We, we didn't publicize it, but we were honest with our friends. We were honest with our children. We were honest with his friends. Mm-hmm. They wanted to write him. They wanted to know where he was, and 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 that was we didn't want Thomas to think we were embarrassed. Um, so you know, and and we've had it with our other children. They were certainly not perfect, despite Thomas's view of them as being perfect. They right. weren't. Right. As all of us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've all made mistakes in our lives. But I think that that approach has to carry forward into our society. And um, and, and we talked about this a few minutes ago, that we we have done such a poor job in our country around mental health. Um, There's nothing wrong with admitting that you have anxieties. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with admitting that you're going through depression. And I don't think any of us will go through our lives without some period of depression it may be a mild depression it, it may be a mild time of anxieties it may not have to be medicated but it certainly benefits from some kind of counseling um caroline and i have both been to and had some counseling since thomas's death both professional and really more just you know just talking to friends yeah. uh-huh. and opening up with people that we trusted about things talking to people who've been through the same thing that we've gone through uh support group type discussions and so you know, I, I think that that the fear of the way others react to our problems is probably one of the biggest hindrances to addressing the mental health issues that we have because people don't want to admit the problem and they don't want people to perceive their children as 
having a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think um, as parents, you want your children to be perceived in the best light possible. Mm-hmm. So when something runs amok, it's it's hard as parents to to admit that and and be honest about it because you want people to think your children are good and they are good. Everybody <laughs> has stumbling blocks and anxieties. Yeah. So I think that's that's a real thing about mm-hmm. stigma is mm-hmm. just realizing your children aren't perfect and that's okay Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah have you seen your family become closer because of this yes absolutely no no question i I feel like we were close before um but obviously a tragedy Mm -hmm. i guess it can either pull you apart or bring you closer unfortunately i feel like it's pulled cal and i closer and and us closer to our children and them to each other also Mm -hmm. and i would imagine I can speak for myself on this of I'm in recovery and I'm sober and I know conversations in my house have changed when since that and I can only imagine what the conversations have been how they've changed in your guys's house and obviously around in your communities and it just takes one person like you said to speak up and have a question and it will impact your children your grandkids will be impacted because of this and how powerful like you're changing the next generation you don't even know it right I, you know there, we can't go back and redo our children's childhood mm-hmm. but we can give our children suggestions about yes, how they yes. can right. things That's they great. can do better than we did when yeah. it comes to our mm-hmm. grandchildren yeah. So. Yeah. yeah there was plenty of well i'm not from caroline's side but from my side plenty of parental malpractice committed <laughs> in our household but you know anytime you see a family that looks like they've got everything going for, going for them mm-hmm. and it's perfect um well you know well, i think we're now old enough wise enough and we've been through enough yeah probably even before Thomas, but certainly after Thomas, that, that's not true for any family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've said this in front of groups, you know, every, every family has a little crazy in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and our family certainly does, yeah. and most families do. And I, I use crazy in kind of a broad right. sense to talk mm-hmm. about the issues that we all have to deal with. And the more I think we're open about that, the, the healthier we can become mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a family, as a community. You know, as a country. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you guys would like to share that we haven't asked you that you would like to tell parents that you would anything? I, I think I'd really just like to say thank you to people. Um, the kindness that people have shown us. I mean, family, friends, strangers. Mm-hmm. It's just been very humbling. I think it speaks well of Thomas, but I think it just speaks well of mankind. Um and particular, particularly his friends, mm-hmm. his young friends have been so intentional yeah. in their support and love. And uh, I, I have a, the privilege of knowing two of them, at Gray and Avery, and they just anytime yes. I see them, how how are things? Can I help? Mm-hmm. Right? What? How can I be involved? And I just it makes me so happy. I feel like I know a piece of Thomas through y'all, but specifically through his friends too. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. <laughs> If I could emotionally get through it, I could tell you several stories about Thomas and the people he touched. But one thing that Caroline and I have just never ceased to surprise us is some random place in Oxford, somebody will walk up and say, oh, are you Thomas's mother? Are you Thomas's father? And it oftentimes is not somebody that fits the college student mold or appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's somebody from a completely different walk of life. And, you know, this, this has happened over and over again of people. You're like, well, how in the world did you know Thomas? 
when I went to school with him in high school, and he was always so nice to me. Yeah. Other people wouldn't speak to me, and he always did. And I think that hearing those stories is a driving energy behind us wanting to spend time with the lab Mm -hmm. because the lab is not designed for any particular type of person or anybody from a certain walk of life. It's designed to to provide information and offer hope for a person regardless of their background or their economic situation. And that's the beauty of the podcast Mm -hmm. is that it gets it out there for anybody who can access it and we all can access it. So thank you for helping us fulfill that dream in, in memory of Thomas, because he was, you know, he didn't see color, he didn't see mm-hmm. race, he didn't see economic status, um, and it's important for us for this message to mimic his life and, mm-hmm. and his approach to people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for raising such a great, sweet boy. Um, the goal of the Mail Lab podcast is to start a different conversation. I feel like we've given lots of different ways parents can, can do that in their families. But if y'all wouldn't mind leaving us with three specific takeaways for people of how they can have a different conversation with themselves this week, how they can have a different conversation with their family, family units, and then how they can have a different conversation in their community. You go first? You go first. <laughs> Uh, a different conversation with themselves. I, I think um, it, this week I would ask a question: What's one thing I can can change, however small, in what I'm doing that I know is maybe it's a bad habit or it's a um, it's a, a way of thinking that I know is not healthy, uh, or it's a relationship that I know means mending mm-hmm. that's keeping me awake at night mm-hmm. or getting me out of bed early in the morning, and address it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't wait address it now develop a plan of how you're going to go about addressing just that single one problem that's gnawing at you because it's those types of problems when they're all blended in together that keep us from the joy that we all want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think i touched on this earlier but as far as families just to keep the conversation open and Mm -hmm. as difficult as that can be for college kids just just keep at it um let them know that you're not going to judge you're not going to you're not going to try and find the solution. You're you're there to listen and to support. That, you know, we told Thomas often we're we're on Team Thomas. You know, we're, <laughs> we're on your team, and just to let your family members know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think from a community standpoint, we're in an election year in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. And what better time to be having conversations mm-hmm. about mental health with mm-hmm. our state leaders? And I under I don't I don't think there's any person running for public office that will tell you. I don't want to do anything to help the mental health problem. Mm-hmm. We all know the mental health problem mm-hmm. exists. It's expensive to fix. Um, but let's make sure the people we elect are committed to really addressing the mm-hmm. issue and putting whatever resources we can, mm-hmm. maybe just to hit one single mental health topic. Mm-hmm. But let's let's win on that one topic. One at a time, we, we can eventually get there. But this is a perfect time to have mm-hmm. those conversations. Um mm-hmm going into the fall before the elections in November. I love that takeaway. That's awesome. We've had such great nuggets of takeaways. I'm just so excited. Well, for listeners, um, any resource we talked about, the articles Cal's written, it's wonderful. We've read it. We'll be in the links in the show notes, and it will be available on our website, along with a host of other resources for families and individuals. So check those out, um, and we will see you guys next week. And thank you, Cal and Caroline, again for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. 
thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mayo Lab Podcast. The Mayo Lab Podcast is produced by Dr. Natasha Dieter, Dr. Megan Rosenthal, Alexis Lee, Slade Lewis, and Hannah Fetch. This podcast was recorded at Broadcast Studio in Oxford, Mississippi. The show was mixed and mastered by Clay Jones, and our original music was composed by Slade Lewis. The Mayo Lab Podcast is brought to you by the William McGee Institute for Student Wellbeing. For more information on the Mayo Lab podcast, head over to themayolab.com and follow us on social media at the Mayo Lab. If you enjoyed listening to the Mayo Lab podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Megan Rosenthal, Alexis Lee, and their guests on the show. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for the medical advice of a licensed counselor or physician. The listener should consult with their mental health professional in any matters related to his or her health or the health of a child.